0: Welcome to the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. My name is Sean Coleman. Hope wherever you are and wherever you are listening, you are having a great start to your day. And I am very pleased and happy to welcome, especially this time of year, one of the best minds when it comes to sport in Memphis and all around. You know him from the Daily Memphian as well as his show on 92.9 ESPN. Mr. Jeff Hawkins has been kind enough to join us. Jeff, how are you doing? Sir, how are you doing today? I'm good, Sean. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you, sir. Obviously, we, we've all enjoyed your riding for many years and, you know, just obviously you on radio as well. Um, but one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show is because I couldn't think of anybody better who to talk with when it comes to this Grizzlies team once again being in the playoff conversation, this being hopefully the third time of many playoff runs. We had it in the early 2000s, obviously the grit and grind era, but we'll get into that in just a second. But the first thing I want to ask you is the this Jeff your thoughts on this team an unprecedented season a season of up and downs injuries you know COVID interruption so many things your impressions of this team so far
1: oh I mean I think it's fundamentally a successful season I don't see how anyone can argue otherwise um I think the interesting thing about it is if a year ago you had said the Grizzlies will uh have the season they had um what do you why do you imagine that will be i would have said oh it's probably because uh jaw has continued to develop as a as a true incandescent up-and-coming star it's because Jaren jaw have put it all together as a duo it's because justice winslow has stepped in and been the third piece that they uh wanted him to be and of course um, to a greater or lesser extent, none of those things have happened. Ja's a little more, it, we, you know, is a little more subtle in terms of his um, growth, but also his his um, challenges. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I obviously so far, their bet on Justice Winslow has not paid off at all. Um, Jaron um, has missed the bulk of the season with injuries and then has had, you know, his his moments, but has fundamentally been just trying to fit in since he's been back. And Ja has had, um, you know, some moments of true brilliance and games of true brilliance. But then other games where you sort of wonder what exactly is up with him. And then we literally just saw a game that totally framed um, and and put a spotlight on the ways in which he must improve, which is his shooting and his um, defense. And so it's interesting that they have had this successful season um, in a way that is. fairly unpredictable. And it's, I think, largely because Jonas has been has had a a career year and because Kyle Anderson has had a career year and because Dylan Brooks has been the best version of himself, particularly after the first uh, few games. And then because players like Desmond Bain, who wouldn't want to expect it, have come along. So um, it's really a very different path. To the successful season than I think it has been. And it raises questions going forward in terms of, of what lies ahead. But fundamentally, um, you know, taken in, a, in the big picture, I don't see how you can be anything but um, heartened by, uh, you know, by the bottom line.
0: And you hit on John, you taught, and, and you had a piece today over at, the, I believe it was today or yesterday, over at the Daily Memphian, Memphian talking about how games yesterday are going to make the Grizzlies better. And the thing about it is, is that you're right. Though he has taken a bit of a leap in the second, you know, probably the last month or so of the season, Jaw, his growth is not being as just skyrocketing up as many had hoped it would be this year. But he shows you flashes of what he could be. And then, as you mentioned before the show, we look at these media sessions. you think that this guy has been in the league for five to six years, a couple of all-star games under his belt. And you realize he's 21 years old still. It's hard to remember that about him. But even though he has struggled at times this year, Jeff, I think that the leadership and the maturity beyond his years that he consistently shows, whether it's on or off the court, that is something that's so easy to invest in. And even if he may struggle, it reminds you of just how special and just how lucky we are to have him both now and going forward. Well, and and
1: beyond that, the the fact that he is, in a different way, he's not, He's not the. He, I mean, watching Steph yesterday is, um, was a pleasure. I mean, it wasn't a pleasure always, the we Grizzlies were the receiving end of it, but what a fun player to watch. And I think you have to step back and in a different way, acknowledge that the Grizzlies are really lucky because Ja is a really fun player to watch. Um, and that combination of extraordinary athleticism and uncanny handle, and um, and the and the goggles that he uh, comes equipped with is something you just don't see in every player. And so it's going to stand him in good stead. And there's no question he's going to be an impact player you know, for a long time. I- I'm interested to see. Um, and you talk about his maturity and his uh, dedication to his craft. I really am interested to see um, how what the next step it looks like for Ja because he said yesterday after the game, he said, you know, my shooting performance in a game like this was not good enough. Uh, he said it and it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't good enough if you want to win those games, right? In the end, he's going to have to do better than that. They were fundamentally daring him to shoot. And so, um, but he's a, he's, he's, he's young. I pointed out in my column that after Steph's second year, Um, well, he scored 18 points a game the second year, the team was 36 and 46 and the Warriors tried to trade him to New Orleans for Chris Paul. And Chris Paul said, I don't want to go to that crappy franchise in golden state. And so it didn't happen, but, um, but like, that's where you are. And honestly, the next year was worse. The next year for Steph, he got injured was, was his worst injury year, really. And so he wasn't playing meaningful games at the point. Where in his career the Ja is now playing meaningful games, um, and so there's a lot of growth ahead, and there's a lot of opportunity for growth ahead. Now, just because there is that opportunity doesn't mean he will take advantage of it. But I think knowing what we know about Ja, I suspect he'll follow more the Mike Conley trajectory on his shot than the you know whatever name your name your point guard who never did learn to shoot Rajon Rondo for example. So um, I expect he will get better at it. I expect he will become a meaningful shooter, but he very clearly has to if the Grizzlies want to be um, we all what we uh, become what we all want them to be.
0: And you speak about the development of his shooting, and I think that one source that certainly will help him out is another source like Jaw in his second season in his role, and that's Taylor Jenkins and someone that you know, Jeff. You more than anyone probably know how big of a need for shooting this Grizzlies roster has always had. And I don't think we've had anyone come close to what Coach Jenkins can do when it comes to adding the value of shooting. Look at what he's done for Kyle Anderson, DeAnthony Melton, and things such as that. But beyond that, Taylor Jenkins this year, growing with this team, your thoughts on, you mentioned it, the three reasons you thought the Grizzlies would have success this year, it wasn't there. It was for three other reasons we didn't even think of. I think that speaks to the talent of Coach Jenkins and how good of a job he's done since he's arrived here in Memphis.
1: Yeah, I think um, – I, I, there's no question. You just look down the roster, and it, it, it was a little more apparent. I mean, you can now look at players in the who have regressed, which, I mean – uh, Brandon Clark has very clearly regressed. Right? I mean that, but fundamentally, you look at most of the roster and people are and and have, have gotten better. Obviously, Jonas has gotten better. Obviously, Kyle Anderson has made a huge leap. Um, obviously, Dylan Brooks has gotten better. Um, obviously, D'Anthony Melton until, until recently, and it's a little bit of a worrisome trend now. Two years in a row, where at the end of the year he's kind of caved in. But D'Anthony Melton has gotten better. Um, John Conchar has gotten better. I think Tyus Jones, he wasn't in the lineup in the, there for a little bit, but I still think he's been Tyus Jones. I don't think he's particularly regressed. I think – I think it's funny. Taylor Jenkins occasionally catches some heat. He catches some heat at the end of these games like against Detroit or against Orlando. Why, why didn't they win those games? My question my, – my point is big picture. This team is overachieved. So I think you have to give him credit for that is that um, – you know, this team in, in, in both in individual development and in just bottom line W's and L's is better than people expected it to be. And given that, I think you have to be pretty pleased with, um, with what he's done now, you know, like, but I, I also think, you know, we'll see like at, at the end of yesterday's game, the execution was not great, particularly the defensive execution was not great. Do you lay that at the foot of, at the feet of Taylor Jenkins or not? I, to me, I just don't think it's time yet to, to put the white hot spotlight of sort of second guessing on this organization, this coach or these players. I, I don't think they're there yet. I think there will come a time when they are there, but I don't think that time is now.
0: Not agree more, and you know I, I think that when it comes down to is is Taylor Jenkins the long- term answer for this franchise, I think that you know there's nothing that suggests he's not. can you answer that question for certain yet yeah, no, it's a relevant question, but he certainly has earned obviously enough of you know trust to you know still see what he can do as time progresses, but speaking of time, as I mentioned, This is hopefully the third time in the history of the Grizzlies franchise where they're going to have a good long run of playoff success. And Jeff has been there to cover it all. Coming up, we'll talk with Jeff about how awesome it is to be in this position once again and how it may differ both positive and negatively from previous versions of this Grizzlies team. I don't know about you, but I can honestly say it's hard to believe that spring is already here. We're in the midst of it, and summer is right around the corner, and of course, that means that you're probably going to be out and about, driving around, maybe to family events, ball games, vacations, just in general, being outside more, and of course, that means you'll be traveling more, so you want your car working as good as possible. Well, for many, that means making sure that there are no repairs needed, and if you wind up needing auto parts, I've got the best place that has you covered, and that's rockauto.com for a variety of reasons. Number one, within a few clicks of the button, you should be able to find what you need, and you're likely going to find what you Need because regardless of the make and model or of the car that you have or the parts that you need RockAuto.com is likely to have it. Whatever your experience level is when it comes to repairs, RockAuto.com is going to be a place that's going to be economically feasible for you. This is a family-owned business. They've been in business for over 20 years. They know that car parts needed typically falls outside of budget, so they try to make things as cost-friendly as possible. If you go to RockAuto.com right now, let them know the Locked On Podcast Network sent you. RockAuto.com, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you will ever need. Visit RockAuto.com today. Welcome back to the Lockdown Grizzlies podcast with Jeff Cawkins. So, Jeff, obviously, you had the mid 2000s. If I remember correctly, the Grizzlies went three straight years, were 0 4 in the playoffs. And, you know, it was basically building something here in Memphis. Then the grit and grind era. What stood out about that grit and grind era was the organic growth of a franchise in which this Grizzlies franchise was able to make the most. They were able to put Mark Gasol, Mike Conley, Zach Randolph, and Tony Allen in positions where they probably became bigger versions of themselves than they may have been able to do anywhere else. The Grizzlies did well to maximize those skill sets, but this time around, you've got John Jaron leading the charge, natural talents the Grizzlies may never have had. What do you think is similar or a bit different between these two versions of Grizzlies playoff basketball?
1: Well, it's really interesting uh, because I hadn't thought about it in terms of the the complete trajectory of the three different. Obviously, right now, um, the hopes are that this collection of players can ultimately do more then certainly the the you know the the early grizzlies you never even want to play off game but then even those grit grind grizzlies um because throughout the entire thing i think we fundamentally understood they were an overachieving um you know bunch of ragtag um you know uh uh players who who had been rejected other places, or had been the booby prize in the lottery, or had been whatever, who came together and overachieved. But we never really thought they were a serious threat to win the title. Or even the year they got to the Western Conference, you know, the, the, the Western Conference Finals, they got some good injury breaks along the way. Now, mind you, lots of teams do. So, I think there was an appreciation of the moment with an understanding of the limits of how high that ceiling can go. Whereas now I think, because of the talent of Ja, people are dreaming bigger, right? I think there's a real sense that, oh, maybe this is the year that, and this is the, not the year, but this is the era that could see an actually NBA Finals coming to Memphis. What's interesting, of course, is that there's no guarantee or anything close to a guarantee that not only will they get to a finals, but that they will do as well as the grit and grind Grizzlies did. I mean, will they have that many years of play- was it seven years of playoffs in a row, I believe? Will they will they get to a Western Conference finals? Will they have the run of success? I don't I don't know. I, I think probably, you know, were you betting well, we were talking about this recently with respect to Dame Lillard and Portland. When it looked like Portland's sun was setting when the Grizzlies swept them, would you take that? what portland has done over the last seven years as as you know if you knew that's what ja and jaron were going to accomplish would you take it and the answer i think was no you wouldn't because you dream even bigger and yet you even as you say that you wouldn't take it but it's also probably unlikely you'd achieve that right like and i think that's the particular dilemma it's because So much is uncertain in terms of what lies ahead. Can they get that third piece? I mean, I was talking about Steph and the fact that after his second year, he was put on the market and almost traded in New Orleans. And, well, what happened? What happened between then and when the Warriors became this great team? Well, they drafted drafted Clay Thompson, right? They drafted Draymond Green. Steph turned into the best version of himself. So can the Grizzlies keep adding pieces? Can they add their Clay Thompson or something even at all? you know, like that. Can will Ja become the best version of himself? I think it's impossible to know. I think that what's very clear is is that is that our hopes for this group are higher going in than the hopes were for either of those of their predecessors in playoff run.
0: And I think that you hit the nail on the head by mentioning Dame Lillard, the trailblazers and the warriors in that Damian Lillard's one of my favorite Grizzlies, you know, or non non Grizzlies players, obviously right now. And I would love for jaw to take the career arc of him, not in terms of playing style, but in terms of being committed to a small market and making the most of it. You hope that leads to an eventual title, but the other big thing, that stood out about the Trailblazers and the Warriors. They built their course through the draft. And I think that, obviously, the one other thing that stands out about this era is a front office that is clearly passed with flying colors every test that it has been faced with overall overall your thoughts on the importance of of how just a, a, not only a um coaching staff and a front office that are together they have good chemistry but a front office that clearly knows what it's doing and knows the situation that's in front of it and seems to have the competency to make the most of it
1: oh i mean i you know it's been it's been a revelation to have a front office that I think now, like whatever's going to whatever's going to happen in the draft this year, whether it, it appears likely at this point, the Grizzlies will be in the lottery with a minuscule chance to move up. So it appears likely they'll be picking whatever 14. I think you'll go into this draft. Let's say that's what ends up happening, with great faith that they will end up with a meaningful player. And there was a time in Grizzlies history, when people would say literally, oh, it doesn't matter anyway. They're just going to pick a, you know, they're just going to blow it. it. That was the working assumption. And now the assumption is we expect, because of the track record of this front office, that they are going to get a meaningful player.
0: Now, it's really hard.
1: Like, you look at what Portland did. Um, they had Dame. They drafted Cima, J. McCollum, obviously. They've And yet they never, they kept trying. They have kept trying, but they've never put pieces around Dame that that have enabled them to get, you know, to, to make the ultimate step. And um, that's because it's really hard to do. You can be, you can have a, a talent like Dame, you can have a backcourt like Dame and McCollum, and yet you can't attract anyone to Portland, just like you can't attract anyone to Memphis. And so, and it's hard to find, uh, to find you know, Clay Thompson in the wherever Clay was drafted, 10, maybe was he drafted 10? Uh, it's hard to find Draymond Green in the second round. It's hard to find like what Golden State did was truly miraculous. And I don't like, I don't know that you can certainly expect that the Grizzlies front office will do that. But as a longtime fan of the Buffalo Bills, I went through draft after draft after draft. And what I have realized is what really matters is. Whether you have, of course, the front office is going to miss, it is going to miss on some. They always do. Every front office does. But do you fundamentally have faith in them? And I fundamentally have faith in this front office. Maybe it'll turn out that they missed on Justice Winslow. That, to me, does nothing to sort of undercut my general um, faith in what they have done and have proven to do ever since they arrived here.
0: And I think the Buffalo Bills this past year, Jeff, and congratulations to you on the Bills' success. I think there are two things happened at the same time that led to them making the AFC Championship game. A third-year leap from the most important player on the field and Josh Allen. And then is changing trade to go get Stefan Diggs and the reason why I use that as an example is because I think that's what we're looking at with this Grizzlies team over the next 12 to 18 months you're looking for those all-star leaps from Ja and Jaron, but like you mentioned you're also looking for that third piece via the draft maybe trade to occur as well whatever is going to happen in the future I think it's highly defined by the next 12 to 18 months and some very important decisions my thought is is that both John Jaron taking their leaps and us making that I guess for lack of a better way of putting it one big trade I think it comes down to hitting on both those things for us really to realize a ceiling that could be higher than the grit and grind Grizzlies
1: yeah it's interesting you you put it that way I think that's exactly right I listen I, I it's to me, the fact that they had the year they had without Jaron and certainly taking the lead, mostly just because he was injured, and with Ja having some moments but not consistent consistent brilliance, um, you can be disappointed in that. You could say, oh, gosh, I expected more from those two. Or you can say that can be an opportunity. Like, it's still there for them to take that leap. I don't think there's – I think there's ceilings. Are absolutely as high as we ever thought they were. Like they are still capable of job becoming a superstar, Jaron becoming a multiple All Star. Those things are still there, and you're exactly right. It, it's they they ultimately over the next two years are going to have to make that leap in terms of getting that extra piece. That's a really hard thing to do, particularly because everyone wants to bundle up three quarters to get a dollar, you know, four quarters to get a dollar, and and, and and that's a hard trade to make. It may not happen this off season. It may happen next off season. It may happen at the trade deadline next year. Like it doesn't have to happen. I think there's going to be pressure on, from from folks net, some folks to boy, I, you know, they need to do it this summer. I don't know that they'll be able to do this this summer. It has to, the deal has to be there. But they're going to keep collecting good pieces um, and assets, and they have to be ready when that moment comes because um, in the end, yes, it's those two things. It's internal development, but there's a lot of room for that. Um, And then it's cashing in on finding additional pieces. It could just be, you know, hitting on the draft pick or hitting on the the draft pick that you ultimately are going to get from Golden State. Um, You know, there are are different ways for these Grizzlies to take the next step. And it doesn't just have to be, you know, trading for Bradley Beal, which everyone
0: seems to want to do all the time. Agreed completely, and if you're wanting to look at an example of how you can do it internally and make it last for a few decades, there's no better example than the San Antonio Spurs, who the Grizzlies obviously have coming up on Wednesday. Coming up, I'm going to get Jeff's thoughts on the San Antonio Spurs, once again, being the Grizzlies' way in the playoffs and his thoughts on the Memphis basketball scene overall. NBA playoffs are here in full swing, and so are the NHL playoffs. And if you're someone that likes wagering and betting on sports, especially in these important times of sports seasons, I've got the one place that has you covered, and that's betonline.ag. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to get all, get all your sports bet, sports betting action in place. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at BetOnline. Get all the latest news, odds, and info on all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC, MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over at BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbooks experts. Visit BetOnline.ag today by using the promo code locked on, Again, head to the website and use your mobile device. Sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Today on the Locked On Today podcast, our local experts weigh in on who should win the MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, and Head Coach of the Year award. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So, Jeff, obviously, I believe that the Grizzlies face the Spurs, I want to say four Times during the grit and grind. Probably, I think it was four. It may have been five. But anywho, no more frequent team that this Grizzlies team played during the grit and grind era than the Spurs. And we're right there facing them again. Just your thoughts on facing them again. And do you have any memories at all from, from covering those games and those experiences during the grit and grind eras? A memory or two that may stand out that was fun during those playoff series? Yeah, I mean,
1: I have a million memories. Um uh, it's funny because the Spurs don't excite the imagination, right? They just don't. In terms of, um, you know, if you were playing the Lakers, if you're playing Golden State, if you're playing Portland, there are a lot of teams that you could be playing um, that that uh, excite the imagination more than San Antonio. And it used to be with a sort of a dread you'd play uh, we're playing San Antonio again, um, and there were some tough series against San Antonio. The worst was was. Um I mean the the Western Conference finals, that was that was a little dismal. Um and then there was the year when everybody got injured and Dave Yeager uh was the head coach and it was it was, you know, Dave weeping after the um after the last game and you sort of knew that he probably wouldn't be back. Um so that happened against the Spurs. But there's no question. Um the the the, the best moments were from that first series. I mean, some of the most glorious moments in Grizzlies history, it was, were from that first, first playoff win, um, when Shane Battier hits the jumper. Shane Battier at the time, he had come back to Memphis as this sort of, oh, we're getting Shane back. We love Shane so much. And he comes into this team and honestly, um, he wasn't comfortable. He didn't play well. He didn't fit. He didn't really honestly like being part of that team at that point. Like, um, you know, Shane is, Shane is this really cerebral, um, you know, deliberate fellow. And th- these Grizzlies were I- I- just a different kind of a team at that point. And um, so he was kind of unhappy. And at least until he got to that playoff series. And then everything came together. And in that critical moment, they'd lost the lead. Uh, in game one, and obviously this is a franchise that had lost 12 straight playoff games, and there's Shane hitting the big shot down the stretch um, to give him the win, and immediately thereafter, his, his wife Heidi, who is still back in Houston, um, goes into labor, and so he has to get in a car and drive to Houston that night um, to be there for the delivery of his kid. Um, it was just a fabulous, fabulous sequence of events, but that was also of course the series when when Zebo was at his zenith and and carried the Grizzlies game six of that series was just Zebo at his absolute most dominant um the best that he 's ever been really um destroying destroying um san antonio so that was that was a lot of fun um and that was i mean that, again that Plus the Clippers, plus the Grizzlies beating the Clippers, um, probably the two greatest playoff series in Grizzlies history and the most fun that we've really had. Um, so you can look back at the Spurs all you want as being sort of a source of playoff misery, but also a source really of some of the greatest moments in in Grizzlies postseason.
0: I'll echo you, Jeff. I I will say I was at the very top of the FedEx Forum when they beat the um, uh, Spurs, you know, eight versus one in their first playoff series. And I am so thankful I was at the top because being able to see the crowd reaction plus the court just from up top, it was just a surreal experience. Unbelievable. And, and, And I know that you were there for the Clippers game and the Spurs game as well. But that kind of segues into my second question in that, Coming off COVID, coming off the pandemic, it's exciting to see fans get back into the stands for this playoff run. But also just in general, it's exciting to see Memphis basketball, both with Penny Hardaway at the University of Memphis and obviously the Grizzlies here. I know the Memphis Tigers have not had as successful a start to Hardaway's era as they would have liked. But just how excited for you, knowing how much fun and how much Memphis cherishes basketball to cheer for, How excited are you that both the Tigers and the Grizzlies are on the upswing and hopefully have a bright future together at the same time for the first time maybe ever in the city of Memphis with the professional and collegiate team obviously shining at the same time? Yeah, they've
1: tended to alternate a little bit. There have been years when they both, when one gets to the playoffs and the other gets to the NCAA tournament. um, Not a lot, but there have been years um, when both have been successful. It's interesting because I think – they both um there's real promise that you can see um that could uh come to fruition. And there's peril as well for for both. Like it's these are delicate times, I think, for both franchises in many ways. And um and so um uh it'll be really an interesting thing to see over the like what's gonna happen with the NCAA investigation. Um, what's going to happen with the Grizzlies as they try to make that next step? Like there are, there, there are. If you make missteps, there, there could be some potential peril ahead. But listen, it's, it's obviously there's people care deeply about basketball in this town. And I remember when I first heard that 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 it was the the local Staley, Cates, and Pit Hyde and whatever had decided to to bring an NBA team to Memphis. I was skeptical. I'm like, what? We kind of already got one, you know, in the Tigers. And Staley Cates one day, I had a long conversation with him and he said he, he took me through all the reasons why he thought it could work. And um and it has. I mean the truth of the matter is it has. It's it's absolutely been a success. It has helped reframe the way Memphians think about themselves. And um and it's amazing to think that here we are on the anniversary season and they're playing what amounts to a playoff game against our old friend, San Antonio, what yet again.
0: Well, I can tell you this, Jeff, first off, thank you so much for taking the time. And I can also say this, as someone who's followed your work for years, there's few, if anyone, who has done a better job of kind of leading the way in in, in in giving us an inside view and giving us perspective on just the past few decades of Tiger and Grizzlies basketball. So for thank you, first off, for joining us and for all the great work you do. Just where can folks find your work, obviously, and anything you may have planned, you know, coming up for the month of May when it comes to the Grizzlies, you know, hopeful success here in the near future.
1: Oh, y'all can read the Daily Memphian. You know, we, we um, the Daily Memphian is just sort of an interesting um, experiment in, in journalism as, you know, when I got to the commercial appeal, 250,000 people got the commercial appeal. And because newspapers have struggled in the way that they have, um, some local philanthropists, much like the philanthropists who brought the Grizzlies here, decided to sort of create an alternative for local, uh, for local news. And um, and that's how the Daily Memphian came to be. And we count on, obviously, subscriptions. And it's nice if people read me. But really, the truth of the matter is, if you're a Grizzlies fan, the reason to subscribe is Drew Hill does a great job on the beat. And Chris Harrington, to me, is as thoughtful an observer of the Grizzlies and chronicler of the Grizzlies as anyone. I'm privileged to have him on my radio show um, every day. Um, but he's absolutely tremendous. And... and um And and Drew Drew had a really funny story the other day about John Conchar's uh, one fan uh, who runs a fan account for John Conchar. So it's fun to be with such a talented group over at the Daily Messian, and we'll just try to keep up as best we can.
0: Well, we can't thank you all enough for all your hard work. I've interacted with Chris before. i obviously read his work with you for years. Drew's been a frequent guest on the show, so it's a great trio, great group of folks over at the Daily Memphian who do a great job covering everything in Memphis. My name is Sean Coleman. You can find me at StatsSAC on Twitter. You can find the show at LockedOnGrizz on Twitter. You can find Jeff at Jeff underscore All his great work at the Daily Memphian. Obviously, his show on 92.9 ESPN. Jeff, if you'll stick with us but for just a second after the show. But, again, thank you so much for taking the time to join us, sir. All right. Thanks. For Jeff Hawkins. my name is Sean Coleman. We'll talk to you again soon here on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast.